Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. You can turn there if you want to, verse 32. These verses will be on the screen for you this morning. But in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 32, the Bible says, Jesus stopped in the road and called, What do you want me to do for you? And I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Can You Answer the Lord's Question? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word, God. I thank you for your spirit, and I pray that right now you'd anoint me by your spirit to say what you'd have me to say. God, I pray that you would do a work in us today, God. Let your will be done in this place, even as it's done in heaven, God. I pray that you would bring forth new life, salvation, healing, deliverance. God, I pray for every person in this room that you would speak to each of us personally by your spirit from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you answer the Lord's questions? One of the things we do at Abundant Life because we're a Bible teaching church is we talk a lot about principles of understanding the Bible. And one of the things that we've learned in studying the Bible together over the years is the, the Scripture tells us for itself that we have these stories for our what? For our examples. As we read about these factual historical accounts in Scripture, we need to understand there's a lesson for us, say us. There's something there for us to learn. And as we read Scripture, one of the things we always need to keep in mind is the immutability of God. Immutability is a big theological word that means unchanging. Not just unchanging, but inability to change. And what it's saying is that our God is always the same. He never changes. The way he did things before is the same way he'll do things now and in the future. Not only is God a, 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 a God that doesn't change, he's a God that cannot change. So you can be certain of this. He's always the same. Somebody say always. So as we look at this story, I want you to understand there's something for each of us to learn and that what he did before, he'll do again. That's why it always cracked me up, and I think it's died off now. I don't hear many people talking about it, but it used to be a big deal. The WWJD, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And that's, that's a good question. That's a decent question to ask, but it's not a hard question to answer. The, the answer is he would do now what he did then because he's always the same. So we have to see what he did then so we'll know how he'll do now. We have these stories for our example so we can see how Jesus dealt with people then, which tells us how he'll deal with us now. We can watch how people dealt with him then, see what happened to them, and decide whether we want that result or not. Because if you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. So let's jump right into our text. I'm going to, I read verse 32 for you. I'm going to back up to verse 29. Starts this part of the passage for us in verse 29 of Matthew 20. The Bible says, As Jesus and the disciples left the city of Jericho, 
a huge crowd followed behind them. I'm going to move through this a little quick today, so stay, stay awake, stay alert, try to catch what God has to say to you. I'm not going to labor on every uh, phrase, but I do want you to see that Jesus is on the move. Jesus was not just a sit-back-and-do-nothing person while he was on this planet as he represented God in the flesh. He was on the move. So if he was on the move now, guess, then guess what he is now? Jesus is on the move. Jesus is doing stuff. I wonder, is he doing anything in you? If he's not doing anything in you, I propose to you this morning, it's not his fault. If you don't sense the presence of the Lord in your life, I want you to know it's not because God's not there, because God is everywhere. If you don't sense the presence of God moving in church, it's not because he's not here and moving. It's something happening in your seat. People don't want personal accountability, but the Bible shows us and tells us that he's everywhere and that when we gather in his name, there's a special corporate anointing presence of the Spirit of God. So God is here and God is moving, but you might not experience that if you don't want to. We'll see that as we move through it. But Jesus is on the move. He's got his disciples with him. You you, you know why his disciples are with him? Because the people that are with Jesus are always with Jesus. There's a group of people that that claim to be saved but not closely following God. I wouldn't want to stand in judgment in that crowd. I I like being part of, of that group that is with Jesus where he is. We, we see these type of people called disciples, and I've told you before, even if you've never heard me say it, you can figure it out just from looking at the word. Uh, somebody tell us, what's the root word of disciple? Discipline. It takes discipline to be a disciple, and that's why some people reject it. But if you want to get everything God has for you, you need to follow Jesus. And Jesus and his disciples, they leave the city of Jericho, and there's a huge crowd following him. See, there's always the disciples that are with him, and then there's those stragglers that are following. You got to figure out where you are in your season of life. You got to figure out which part of this story is talking about you. But Jesus had been into Jericho many times. He, he had gone to Jericho many times. This is actually the last time that Jesus goes into Jericho and leaves Jericho. He's about to go to be crucified. But as he's leaving Jericho for the last time, verse 30 says, Two blind men were sitting beside the road, period. Always pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces, digest it, understand it, get some comprehension to your reading. How, how, How many men were sitting beside the road? They had a condition that was what? They were. So we've got two blind men sitting beside the road, but just because they had a problem didn't mean they were out of the game. Just because they had a deficiency didn't mean they were totally deficient. They they had a problem, and I want you to know everybody in this room has a problem. Uh, You might not be blind physically, but there are blind people spiritually. 
You, you might not be blind in your eyes, but there are people whose heart is so shut off. Their heart sees nothing, hears nothing, and feels nothing. These people had a deficiency, but they still knew what was going on. They were sitting beside the road when they heard that Jesus was coming that way. You ought to be at least as on point as these two blind men, you ought to know that when Jesus is coming your way, it requires some activity on your part. When Jesus was coming, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. I told you I'm not going to labor inside every one of these phrases, but there's Two phrases inside these bracketed commas that I want to bring your attention to this morning. These blind men began shouting, Lord, comma. A comma gives us cause for pause. you got to stop and think what is being said. Now, when we hear the word Lord, we just think churchy, God, overall title, name, whatever. But in that culture, when they said the word Lord, they had a much deeper meaning. They, the, when they called Jesus Lord, it, it showed that they believed he was who he said he was. They had faith that he was God in the flesh. When they said Son of David, Son of David was a unique prophetic title that had been given and prophesied of who Messiah would be. So they're recognizing Jesus as God. They're recognizing Jesus as divine. They're recognizing Jesus as Messiah. They're not just calling out to him and throwing some funny titles at him. This is a statement of belief. This is a statement of who they believed him to be. Without natural eyes, they still saw him as Messiah. I wonder who you see Jesus as today. Who is Jesus to you? What does Jesus represent to you? To them, they were making their confession. They were, they, they were, they were voicing their belief system that Jesus was the divine Son of God, the Messiah come to save them, and they cried out, have mercy on us. I, I want us to see some things about them this morning, and the first thing I want you to see about these two blind men, they were in the right place at the right time. They were in the right place at the right time. Some people have been in places where important people showed up, and that's cool. Um, I, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, President Obama came to a wedding in Jacksonville, and a lot of people went down into the Avondale area and tried to get close to the rich person's house. That Listen, let, let me give you a hint. You ready? This is free, not even in my notes. It ain't easy to get close to a presidential motorcade. If you hear... Uh, some uh, politician is going to be in somebody's neighborhood. Uh, that neighborhood's going to be roped off. Okay, so dry, just sitting in your car watching, not going to happen. Now, some people actually did it. They parked their car, walked two miles down the road, stood on the sidewalk where the Secret Service said they could stand, and actually caught a glimpse. But if you want to get to where somebody really imp important is going to be, timing is going to be an issue. You're going to have to not just be at the right place. You're going to have to be there 
at the right time. And these two blind men just so happened to be in the right place at the right time. See, some of you came by design today knowing you needed to be in the place where Jesus would be. Others of you just happened to show up today not even considering the fact that Jesus would be passing by. You see, these men were just in their spot. They were on beggar road. They, they were just doing what they do. They were just out and about to be out and about. But when they heard that Jesus was coming, it sparked faith in them. And they called out to this man named Jesus. And, and they realized, we have a chance right now. And, and I want you to know, timing is important because this was their last chance. I told you they were in their regular spot. They were in Beggar's Row. They were in a spot in Jericho where travelers came in and out of the city. There was an upper and a lower Jericho. Some called it the, the old and the new Jericho. And, and they were in this place of travel, this place of commerce. You can see people like this today. If you get stopped at the red light, which you will, at Argyle and Blanding Boulevard, you can typically see somebody holding a sign. And, you know, I, I, I love creativity in the signs. The greatest, listen, if, you, if you're going to do modern day begging, let me give you, let me give you a tip. We'll work for food died out in the 80s. Stop with that sign. Everybody's figured that out yet. I can remember when, when I first started my lawn business in, in 1990, I was a little slow on, on the come up, and I, I saw people with we'll work for food, and I'm thinking, now, see, that's, that's solid right there. They're not out here just trying to beg for money. They're willing to work. And so I started pulling over with my lawn truck and rakes and stuff. And I'm like, hey, man, jump in the back. I, I'll let you. Uh, what kind of work are you doing? <laughs> I'm dragging a tandem axle trailer with with $18,000 worth of lawn equipment on it. There's mowers and blowers and string trimmers and, and head trimmers welded into the side of my trailer frame and, and rakes and shovels sticking up out of PVC pipes. And, I mean, if they really were, I, what kind of work are we doing? And do you know, out of all the people I ever asked with a will work for food sign, you know how many of them ever jumped in the back of the truck? Zero. That was a con game, and it died out quick because a lot of people like me were like thinking, well, that's awesome. They're willing to work. I ought to help this man out. That was just an angle for them. Okay, so then the better angle came up because once a game gets played, you got to move on to a new strategy, right? Some of y'all need to change up your strategy now. What you've been doing ain't working. You need a new attitude. But they, they went to a new sign that said, I'm not, I, I, I'm, at least I'm honest. I just want beer. Please help. First time I saw that, I'm like, I'm giving to this dude. I don't care what people think about the preacher. I'm, get, I'm putting some money. And that, that's just solid, honest. And, and then I realized, these brothers don't want beer. They just know that that sounds better than we'll work for food. And they're just like the other dude up the street. They're trying to get crack and meth and whatever their drug of choice is. Uh, but the, the reality is there have always been spots where beggars hang out to get what they can get. From back then 
to now. And these people, they were in their spot, but something unique happened to them. And the, the timing was right for them because I already told you, but I'll tell you again, this was the last time Jesus ever went that way. You might not know when your last chance to get something from God will be. I've had so many people tell me over the years, well, when I get closer to dying, I'll get right with the Lord. Uh, well, let me go ahead and, and, and just point out the obvious to you. You don't know what day is coming for you. The Bible says it's appointed to all of us to die. We all have an appointment. You just don't know when that day will be. But these two men, they were in the right place at the right time. This is the last time Jesus was ever going to be in the city. He'd been there a bunch. He'd come in. He'd gone out. He'd walk past them coming in and going out. But this was the last chance they were ever going to have. Second thing I want you to see is, is the fact that they took action. Say action. If you want more, you got to do more. If you want something new, you got to do something new. I can promise you this. Having counseled people for decades, I can tell you that the majority of people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. I can tell you that the majority of people need a transition. The majority of people need a springboard into the next season of their life. But if you sit back and do nothing, you're not going to get to where you need to be. I've been saying it for years. I'll say it again. Uh, what, what we need is a little less talk and a lot more action. We need, whatever it is in your life, if you want to be a better mother, stop talking about it and dreaming about it and start being about it. If you want to be a better father, stop talking about it and dreaming about it and be about it. If you want to lose weight, stop talking about it and dreaming about it and be about it. Because I want you to know there is a place, there's a fantasy land that you can live in and it's called gonna do. We, we can spice it up for, for local people here from Jacksonville. It can be gonna do-ville. Uh, now, nobody's really from gonna do-ville, but a lot of people get stuck in gonna do-ville. Gonna do-ville is a place where nothing's happening, but a lot of people are talking about what they're gonna do. And in your mind, you can get stuck in Gonna Doville for a long, long time. I want you to understand, today's the first, if some of y'all haven't even looked at the calendar yet, you just knew it was Sunday, so you came to church. Today's the first day of the last month of this year. 2019 is on its way out. And a lot of people lived in Gonna Doville for all of 2019. Oh, they came into 2019 with high hopes of what they were going to do. There was a lot of things spiritually that they were going to do. There, there was a lot of stuff that they wanted to accomplish, but they just hung out so long in going to Doville. They never took action, and go, hanging out in going to Doville will get nothing done. Now, let me tell you when something gets done. It, it, it's on the screen. When you take what? When you take action, you can, you can move from going to do-ville into getting it done-ville. They did something. I want to encourage you today, if you don't hear anything else I'm saying, do something. 
Now, I'm not going to tell you like the old man told me when I was little. Uh, I understood what he was saying. It stuck in my head, and, and uh, it was okay uh, advice. wasn't the best advice, but I had an old man tell me one time, do something, boy, even if it's wrong. <laughs> but do something. I, don't just sit there like a bump on the log. Now, I'm not going to encourage you to do something even if it's wrong, but I am going to say, please do something. There are dreams that you have. Do something about it. There are hopes that you have. Do something about it. There are things that you know need to happen. Do something about it. These, these, these blind men took action. What's your excuse? Verse 31 in our text says, The crowd told them. Who's them in this story? The two blind men. The crowd told them, to be quiet, but they only shouted louder. Now, I'm liking these guys. I'm liking these guys because they will not be stopped. They will not be silenced. They will not be done away with. They will not be marginalized. They will not be disenfranchised. They will not, even though they have a problem, they will not just play victim. They're going to get what they need to get. The crowd tried to shush them. Well, you, you got you, you, you to figure out shushers. Shh. And that always comes with that. Like they smelled something bad. Shh. Probably their breath, okay? That's A. But listen, shushers don't always need to be listened to. Sometimes they're trying to prevent you from getting what God has for you, as is the case here. So look what my boys did. Uh, they, 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 they got shushed. But they only shouted louder. I want you to know it's time for some people to shout louder. It's time for some people to not be shushed. It's time for some people to say, I'm ready for the next level. I'm ready to get out of gonna doville and get on with what God has for me, Ville. They shouted louder. The same thing. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. When, when people try to shush you, uh, you, you, you need to understand that uh, you, you need to do what these guys did. The third thing, the third action I see these people taking, they didn't pay attention to discouragers. There are discouragers in the land. They're, they're haters in the land. There are people that, that they're, they're people living in that crab pot mentality. They see you climbing up. They just want to pull you down. That's not specific to any one culture, even if you think it is. That's, that's been around from ever. And people will always try to discourage you. Why? Because they don't like their life. When somebody's hating on you, please understand they're self-hating to begin with. When somebody is bashing you, please understand they're bashing themselves in their own mind. And if we are going to be any piece of what God wants us to be, we are going to have to not pay attention to those who would discourage you from getting closer to God. Don't let anybody stop you from getting closer to God. 
There, there's all types of discouragers in the land. You know, Flip Wilson liked to blame it on the devil back in his day with the devil made me do it. I, I've come to a realization in years of following Jesus. I messed up by myself enough the devil don't even have to bother me. I got enough voices in my own head the devil don't have to bother me. There's all types of discouragers out there. It may be people come at me and they're like, Pastor, pray for me. The devil's been on me hard this week. And I'm thinking, well, there's over 7 billion people on this planet, and there's only one devil. He's been hanging out with you. What, what is going on? Listen, usually the thing, the, the, the person that is our own biggest discouragement is ourself. We become our own worst enemy by discouraging ourselves. Don't let the voices in your head, don't let your voice, don't let nobody living with you, don't let nobody arguing with you discourage you from being who God wants you to be and getting from God what He has for you. Now, the sad reality is usually those closest to you that are doing the discouraging. People live, living on the other side of the country, they can't discourage you heavy because you don't hear their voice. It's, it's those people that are around you that try to tell you, you can't do that. You don't need that. Just deal, just play the hand that's dealt you. Could you imagine? These two, these two blind people not trying to play the hand. That, stop listening to people tell you to play the hand that was dealt you. Get a better hand. Cry out to God for what God has for you. Get something from God that nobody else can do for you. They weren't going to pay attention to the discouragers. When, when, when they got shushed, when these people tried to stop them, they cried out louder. I was studying for this message this week, and I read one of my favorite cats to read, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Look, I, I put this in the notes so you could see it. He said, cold prayers never win God's ear. Draw thy bow with thy full strength if thou would send thy arrow up so high as heaven. Man, if you want God to hear you, you better shout out. If you want to get something from God, you better keep. He said, keep on knocking and the door will be open for you. You got to go full in to get everything God has for you. I already told you God is about timing and you don't know when your time is going to run out. You don't know when the last time God's going to give you an opportunity to step into your destiny. So you need to go Full strength. Look at somebody and say full strength. The, the, the psalmist said in Psalm 50 verse 15, uh, uh, God, God inspired him to write, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So the scripture says that we should call on God in the day of what? Guess what day that is? Every day. That includes today. Today is the day of trouble. Yesterday was a day of trouble. Tomorrow's going to be the day of trouble too. But if you want to get out of going to Doville and stay out of Troubleville, there's a very simple solution for you. Call on the Lord. The psalmist said, I called on the Lord and he heard my cry. If you call on God in sincerity, he will hear you. Uh, uh, let, let, let's get back into the, the text in Matthew 20, 32. The Bible says Jesus stopped in the road and called, What do you want me to do 
for you. Now, before we get into that, I want to remind you here what I said before. Jesus is consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same thing he did for others, he'll do for you. The, the, the King James says that he's no respecter of persons. More modern translations say he's impartial. What he does for others, he'll do for all. And he, he, he sees that there, we see that their actions cause Jesus to do two things right here. And we need these two things to happen in our own lives. Look, look in the text. Jesus stopped. Now, I told you he's on the move, but he stopped. Why did he stop? Because somebody called on him. Why, 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 why did he stop? Because someone kept calling on him. The Bible teaches us, it's called the parable of the impertinent woman, somebody who wouldn't be told no, somebody who wouldn't take no for an answer. Keep asking, keep asking, keep asking, and you will get. That's always caused God to stop and pay attention, but Jesus stopped and 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 he 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 asked them how he could help i wish that you would call on god today and get him to stop for you now with all the things that god has to do and god's always busy do you believe that I mean, I tell you all the time because it just amazes me how, how God holds everything together by the power of himself. The, the, the earth is just the right distance from the sun. If it was to drift any closer, we'd burn up. If it drifted any further away, we'd all freeze to death. God's got a lot going on. Meteors not crashing into the... Everybody's all worried about how the world's going to end. Let me tell you, the world's going to end when God says it's time for it to end. And, and, and you cranking up your car or you driving a car that gets nine miles a gallon versus an electric car ain't going to cause the world to end any sooner. And I don't care how much New Deal you believe in and Green Deal you believe in, the people that are, are, are pushing for all that, listen, when they're having their big summit this year. Guess how they're all going to get there? In the number one carbon emitter in the world, airplane. You think they're going to fall fly economy and get on one plane together? No, they're all going to take private planes that burn up more fuel and, and create more problems. But am I going to worry about, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, they're flying in planes and the world is going to end. Listen, I knew the world was going to end first time I read the end of this story. You better get ready. You better get ready. Uh, this thing is, 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 is going to happen eventually. But these people cried out to the point where they caused God in his busyness. Jesus, God in the flesh. The Bible says he was the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus was always busy throughout his entire life. He packed a lot of living into 33 years, and he accomplished more in 33 years than any human being has ever accomplished. So much so that there have been more books written about this one person, this one man, than any other human being in the history of the world. But as busy as he was, when someone called out to him in sincerity, he stopped for them. If you call out for him in your need, if you'll come humbly, if you'll come sincerely, if you'll come in faith, believing, he'll do for you what he did for them. Not only did he stop for them, but he asked them this question. He asked them, what do you want me to do for you? So the fourth thing they did 
is they told the Lord what they wanted him to do for them. In, in verse 33 of Matthew 20, it says, Lord, they said, we want to see. Put that fourth thing back on the screen for me, Deacon. They told the Lord what they wanted him to do. So here's Jesus. He's passing by. God is everywhere. God is present. God is here right now. And if you'll call on him, you can get the same result that they got. They wouldn't be shushed. They wouldn't stop. They wouldn't let voices in their head keep them in Gunnadooville. They knew that they needed help from the Lord. They called out. When it didn't work, they called louder. When haters tried to stop them, they kept calling. When shushers tried to shush them, they wouldn't be shushed. They kept calling, and they get to the place where God stops for them. And he asks them this question, what do you want me to do? Now, if I'm, if I'm just thinking about the story in my mind, I, I'm thinking, how blown back must they have been by that? I mean, if you got some, some if, if you're praying for people, if you're going around healing people, which Jesus was, and, and you see two blind people, Please help me. <laughs> and you say, well, what you want? Do you see how silly that might come across? Do you see? They, their need was obvious. And some people sit back in their pain and in their misery thinking my need is so obvious. These folks should be stepping up and helping me. Have you specifically asked the right person to, to help you with the right need that you have? Don't be so stuck in your mind thinking, well, they see I'm struggling. Or as Coach Khan taught us at James Weldon Johnson's 7th grade center in 1974, 75, they were struggling. Coach Khan told us, we ain't going to struggle this year. We did struggle that year. But it doesn't matter. How much you think people should see your problem and step up to help you, there is still a principle that demands you answer the question. What do you want? Now, here's what I want you to get. Jesus, pe people say all the time, if these healers can heal people, why don't they just go to the AIDS ward and heal everyone from AIDS? If these healers can heal people, why don't they go to the cancer clinic and heal everyone from cancer? If God is such a healer and all these healers have so much power, why don't, why don't they just go and empty out every hospital? You don't see Jesus going to no hospital emptying out a hospital. You don't see Jesus walking around saying, hey, you over there. Uh, you, 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 you got this, this, this problem, I'm going to heal. No, you see Jesus helping people, listen, that ask for help. You have to ask for help because it signifies so many things in the spirit realm. And when you ask God to help you, it signifies your humbleness. It signifies your willingness to admit you have issues. It signifies your understanding that he's bigger than you and better than you. It signifies that you believe that he's able to do what you can't do. Let me tell you something, struggler. If you could fix you, you already would have. If you could fix you, you already, look, if you could stop doing what you know you need to stop doing, you would have already stopped doing it. If you could stop being how you know you ought to stop being, you would have already stopped doing it. You can't fix you. You need more help. Amen. 
So, so he, they tell him what they want. They said, Lord, we want to see. They didn't get all offended. I'm so tired of offended people. Get your feelings off your sleeve. Life's hard on everybody. Suck it up and do something. Everybody has challenges. Get over it and get on with it. Everybody has obstacles. Get out of your victim status and get on with the victory that God has promised for you. They could have sat back and said, what do you mean? What, what do you want? You see our struggle. You see where we are. You know what? They didn't come with any of that. He asked them a sincere question. What do you want me to do for you? And, 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 and they answered the question without offense. They answered the question without being indignant. They answered the question because God asked them. This, this, this what they, they said, we want to see this is what we need today. We, we need to ask us to help the Lord with the things that are hindering us. Uh, too many people come to church and act like it's okay. That's why I try to out them. I'm not really as upset with people as sometimes I, I, I exaggerate and let on. You know, I, I've told you all for years when I ask people how they're doing, what, what, what's the silly answer they give? They learn that in church, whether they're doing it or not. I'm not really. If you are blessed and highly favored, I rejoice with you. But if you are struggling, if you're broke as a joke and, and you, you can't help yourself, oh, pastor, I'm just blessed. You've been on the phone complaining all week long to the two people who still pretending to be your friend because you ain't run them off yet. You, 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 you've been whining on social media for months about how horrible life is and it's never going to get better. And, but as soon as somebody that you think is, is, is a Christian says, oh, well, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Oh, highly, I'm always above, never beneath, always ahead, not to tell. I, I'm just so good. I, I can't stand myself. I, I'm, just, I'm just walking in the goodness of God. It's, it's just like he carries me. Oh, don't he carry me. Oh, he's so good to me. Oh, hallelujah. And all that foolishness is not going to get you delivered. People sit in church with that mindset. It's as if Jesus himself walking row by row. What do you want me to do? Oh, I'm, 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 I'm so good, I'm blessed. If I, if I start walking through these aisles and, 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 and say, you look like you need some money, how much do you need? And I got a wad of cash in my hand. Say you don't need any if you want to. But you could be smarter than that. You can be smarter than that. It's, this would be like people going, listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's two restaurants. There's more than two. I, I eat out a lot, and I eat out on 103rd Street a lot. Um, Wingstop, I don't even know if Wingstop have real menus. You look at the board, you order by pictures. That's just how we do it. <laughs> There's no choices. You can't, you can't even get the wings without the fries. They're like, you want fries without them? I'm like, can I get them without the fries? No. Oh, but you could substitute uh, celery? No, give me the fries, what I look like. But, so, you know, Wingstop don't have a cool menu. There's two, uh, but they got great wings. Hit your Wingstop. But there's two restaurants on 103rd Street 
that menus are just out of control. I love these restaurants. I spend money with them. Um, two Saints, menu's too big. Menu's just too big. Uh, you can sit in Two Saints all day long and study their menu. Great restaurants you need to go there, but you can sit there and IHOP. That menu's just too big. Listen, the, the joint that makes bacon and eggs probably ain't the best fish joint. Or steak joint. I'm just saying. It, it just is what it is. Uh, now, me personally, I will get the appetizer sampler at IHOP. I, though they're not the best cheese sticks in the world, but I still eat them. <laughs> they're certainly not the best onion rings in the world. IHOP don't have the best onion rings, but I will eat them. Uh, but back to back to the story. The the menu is so big, and and this is how silly some people are in church. You come to church. You, you see the menu, you see what's going on, you hear the scripture, and then when the Lord passes you by, it's like the waitress at IHOP steps up to you and says, what would you like? And you look at the waitress, oh, I'm good, I'm, I'm just blessed, I'm just glad to be here, enjoying the atmosphere, the nice people, uh, just reading the menu, I just want to keep studying the menu, I, I just want to read, I'm, I'm trying to memorize menu as I go, and listen, some people approach Christianity this way, ain't nothing wrong with studying the Bible, ain't nothing wrong with memorizing the Bible, but you better get some Jesus as you go. The Bible is the menu, but Jesus is the meal. You sit in IHOP and tell them, oh, your, your menu's so pretty, I just want to look at it. They're going to look at you like you are crazy. Uh, Ma'am, would you like to order? Oh, I just love the menu. Well, we're glad you love the menu, but what do you want? You got to get to a place in your life when you're going to tell somebody what it is that you need. Stop coming to church acting like you don't need anything from God. Stop going through life acting like you don't need anything from God. Stop pretending like you're delivered when you're not delivered. Stop pretending like you're saved when you're not saved. Stop pretending like it don't matter when it matters. Verse 34, the Bible says, Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Period. Pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. Get it down. Understand it. Jesus felt sorry for them. Now, I told you from the beginning, Jesus is consistent. Do you believe that? I told you from the beginning, the Bible says he's no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for the other. Do you believe that? The Bible says for itself that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe that? Well, if we believe any of those things or all of those things, if Jesus felt sorry for them in their situation, guess what he'll do for you? I don't want nobody feeling sorry for me. Why ain't you stupid? I tell you, like that Sam Elliott means it says, that Sam Elliott meme says, you must be a special kind of stupid. <laughs> I don't want nobody feeling sorry for me. Oh, I want the Lord feeling sorry for me. Maybe, maybe your pride is too offended by that. Uh, there's some need for deliverance right there. I'll give it to you in a different version, though, because some versions say he was moved with compassion on them. I want to tell you something. Your problem moves the heart of the Lord. When he saw people that were calling out to him in distress, he wept for them. He was touched by their feeling of infirmity. He was moved on their behalf. And, and he felt sorry for them, and he did something about it. Here's what I want you to get, and I'm done. You've probably done everything you can do to get more, and it won't work for you. 
all, all the problems you have. Listen, most people are self-aware enough to know what their problems are. Now, I've met some real doozies in my lifetime. You pastor a church, you'll meet a whole bunch of crazy people. <laughs> Let me tell you whether or not you're a self-aware person. Do you know what everybody who knows you thinks is wrong with you? If you don't, you are delusional. If you talk too much, that every time somebody hears that song, you talk too much. Oh, boy, you never should. If you talk too much and you don't know that, you need inpatient therapy. If you're stubborn, if you're mean, if you're nasty, whatever you're de- whatever people, if you don't know, listen, let me tell y'all something about me. I know every problem I got. There's nothing you could tell me. And I'm shocked how many people I meet. I meet people, and people come for counseling, and I'm like, well, you do know sometimes you come off as, no, I don't. How, well, how, how dare you? How dare me? You're sitting in my office. I'm counseling you for free. How dare you? I'm taking up my time in here. Get. You ain't self-aware enough to know your people see you coming, they walk the other way. You need some self-awareness. You need to know what your issue is, and you need to get honest about it. And whatever those issues are, like I said, if you could change it, you already would have. you got to enlist higher help. Say higher help. Jesus was moved. Compassion. One version says sympathy. Here she says felt sorry for them. And he touched their eyes. What everybody in this room needs more than anything else in life it, 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 pe- people got pe- people are distracted with all the wrong solutions. Well, once we get a new president, uh, well, once we get a new Congress, uh, well, one, once once the economy, one, once my job, once my spouse, all, all these different distractions you think are going to fix everything. When the problem is staring back at you in the mirror. You cannot control all these other people, and you cannot control all these other peripheral uh, things going on in your life, but the one person you can control is you. And what we all need for real is for the Lord to touch us. Everybody in this room don't want to be touched by God. Everybody in this room don't want to be healed. Everybody in this room don't want to be saved. Everybody in this room don't want to be delivered. Why? Because for some of y'all, your, your, your hatred is the only thing keeping you warm at night. For some of y'all, your proud know-it-all attitude is the only thing justifying your existence in your own mind. Whew, that's $9,000 worth of counseling somebody just got. And you really don't want to stop being you. You think that that's what makes you who you are. I come today to tell you God wants to make us better. When he touched them, instantly they could see. Now I want to tell you something. In, in all of the healing stories in the Bible, uh, it, 
healing doesn't always happen instantaneously. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes there's a multi-stage process. Sometimes it, it, it happens as they leave. Sometimes it happens after they do what they're told to do. Sometimes, as here, it happened instantly. But the right result is seen in the people who get to keep it. Because we also see people get their healing and lose it. And some of y'all been healed and lost it. Some of y'all been delivered from some stuff and fell back into it. But if you will let God touch you, and then you will do the fifth thing that they did, which is to follow him, then you're going to be able to hold on to this healing, and you're going to be able to be all that God wants us to be. This is exactly what we need today. We need Jesus to heal us. And the Bible says all things are possible if we only believe. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you believe God could fix what's wrong with you? We say yes, but we need to put action to our yes. We can't just sit back and, and do nothing. These people, if somebody would ask these blind men, do you believe Jesus could heal your blindness? If they had said yes and sat there, Jesus was passing by. Jesus was there. Do you know there, there's only one other person in, in, in Jesus' earthly ministry that he healed? Beyond this guy, and, 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 and that was the high priest servant after Peter cut his ear off. This, this was the last healing Jesus did in a preaching crusade. This was the very last shot these people had. Some of y'all, you don't want to admit it, and, and, and I, it's not a scare tactic. It's just the reality. Some of y'all might be running out of chances. You don't know how many chances God is going to give you before he snatches the rug out from under you. But the, the, these men believed that Jesus could do it. Some of y'all believing that it, it didn't get them what they needed just thinking about it, just believing it. They, somebody could have said, do you believe Jesus could heal you? Oh, yes, we know Jesus is, is the Lord. He, he, he could heal us. But you got to call on him for yourself. Healing doesn't happen until personal responsibility takes over. Healing doesn't happen until you admit your problem and you call out to the one who can fix you. If you just want to sit back and act like you don't have a need, Jesus is glad to pass you by. We see it all through Scripture. He didn't just stop and heal everybody. He healed the ones who sought him out and asked him for healing. They got their healing and they followed him. They believed Jesus could fix their problem. After he healed them, they followed him. Let me, let me ask you this. Do you have any issues today? Do you believe Jesus can heal you? We all should say yes to both those questions. Here's the reality. He's passing by. He's passing by. He, you have an opportunity to call to him. You have an opportunity to reach out to him. Or you can just let him pass you right on by. You, you got to determine if you're willing to call out to Jesus. Well, I just don't like public blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I don't, what will people think of me? And uh, listen, you're, you're hearing the discouragers. You got people trying to shush you off your blessing. You got people trying to shush you off your deliverance. You got people trying to shush you off your next level of destiny. And you ought to push them away and get your way to Jesus. The title of the sermon I told you is, Can You Answer the Lord's Question? I want to make it personal in closing. Will you answer his question? What do you want him to do for you? 
What do you want him to do for you? Everybody in this room should have a right ready answer for that. You should have an answer for that right now. You should know exactly what you want the Lord to do for you. We saw these two blind men were in the right place at the right time. You're in the right place at the right time right now. You got to be in the right place at the right time. You're here. He's here. He said he can save to the uttermost those who will call out to him. He says, whosoever should call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved there in the Greek is the same word used for deliverance. Whether you need salvation or whether you need deliverance, the same process applies. you got to call on the name of the Lord. They took action. The question is, will you take action? They took action. They took action. They realized they had a need. They saw the Savior present. They called out. They did something about it. You can leave this place today the same way you came in there. Or you can take action. Well, I, 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 I've, I've, I've tried before. See, third thing, they didn't pay attention to the discouragers. That, that discouraged, well, I've tried before. I've walked out before. I've prayed prayer before. I've asked God to deliver me before. I've asked God to heal me before. I've asked God. Listen, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. When I first read Matthew chapter 7 in the King James Version, it said, ask and you shall receive. And I had to scratch my head and think, hmm. I know the Bible is true, but I've asked for stuff and I didn't receive it. But then through my studies and through my uh, academic process, as I sat in Greek courses and began to look at the original languages and read in various translations and find out what the original, the original language there, and it says it plainly in some more modern translations, it says, keep on asking and you will receive. There's a keep on asking process that we have to go through. And if you pay attention to the discouragers, you've tried that before. It didn't work for you. It's for other people. It's not for you. What will they think of you? What will they say about you? If you really want God to touch you, to heal you, to deliver you, to change you, to empower you, to fill you with His Spirit, to enable you to be and to do all that He's called you to be and to do, you gotta, you got to shush the shushers. you you got to push past the discouragers. These two men would not be silenced. They were going to get theirs. They were going to get theirs. They they knew who had it for them, and they were going to get to the one who had it for them. Fourth thing, they told the Lord what they wanted him to do for them. We're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come up to this altar and pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity to let some of our intercessors pray for you. I'm going to give you an opportunity today to answer that question publicly. See, Jesus don't call secret disciples. What, what God does, he does in the open. What, what, what the, the, the Bible says, whoso believe in him should not be ashamed. I had somebody ask me one time, Pastor, do you notice sister so-and-so always coming down to the altar crying? What do you think's wrong with her? I said, well, I don't know what's wrong with her, but I do know what's right with her. She keeps coming down to the altar crying, seeking the Lord. You need to ask God to do for you what you need. I've talked about the five different realms of life that we live on, spiritual, physical, financial, relational, and emotional. 
these are the five realms of existence that God has created us to live inside of. Spiritually, some of you need salvation. Some of you need to come back to God and get your life right with God. Physically, some of you need healing in your body. You need to keep on asking. I need healing in my body. I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on asking. I want you to do the same. Some of you need help in your finances. You complain about money, but you do nothing about it. You need to ask God to heal your finances, to give you better wisdom, to give you faith to be a giver because he gives seed to the sower. Some of you need help in your relationships. As long as you're blaming it on them, God ain't going to heal you of your part. I can tell you this for sure. And I've had successful relationships and I've had unsuccessful relationships. And I can tell you this for sure. No relationship ever failed on one side. There's enough blame to go around for everybody. You need to let God get involved in your relationships and bring healing in your life so you can be who he created you to be. Some some of you need healing in your emotions. Some of you need to, to let God touch you in your mind and just let you get beyond some things. Paul, when he was given his reason why he was so successful following Christ, one of the things he said he did is he forgot the past. Some of you are so plagued by your past, you can't move into your today. You can't live in your now because you got all that discouragement voice. But you did this. But you did that. How could God ever? Listen, the Bible says he saves to the uttermost. And that he forgives us for all our sins. You need to let God heal your emotions so you can move on from past hurts, past pains, and move into the joy of the Lord. We're going to have a time of altar call. And I'm going to invite anybody that wants to come come and pray. I'm going to ask in just a moment for our our intercessors to come, for our elders to come, and to to pray for you. Uh, And if you want prayer in any aspect of your body, here's what I, listen, if they don't do this, tell me after church. This is what everybody that prays for you in life should do for you when it happens. You, they should, the first thing they should ask you is, why are you coming? And here's what you need to do. You need to tell them the answer. See, that some people ain't even going to be kept from God to wait. You want to come, you come. When, 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 when you come forward and you want somebody to pray for you, they're going to ask you, why are you coming? And if you need salvation, you tell them, I need to be saved. And they're going to pray with you for salvation. You tell them you need healing in your body. you got financial problems, relational problems, emotional problems. You answer the question, why are you coming? What do you want God to do for you? And I believe that God responds to faith. The scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whosoever believes in him, whoever, whosoever come to God must believe in him and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you believe that God is and you believe he rewards those that seek him, we're going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to step into the scripture. Some of you need saved. Some of you need real salvation. You just need to cry out and ask God to save you. You say, well, I've done it before and it didn't work. Do it again. The Bible says when you search for him with your whole heart, you'll find him. Some of you need deliverance from addictions, habits, behaviors, thoughts, problems. Whatever your need is, I want to see if you would be willing to answer the Lord's question. What do you want him 
to do for you today. Uh, if, if, you can, if you can stand, I want everybody who's physically able to stand with us. If you need to sit, you can sit as we stand. I want our, our elders to come, our, our prayer warriors to come pray with me. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your willingness to ask us what you want. Us, what you, what you want us to ask you for. God, I pray that somebody today would be honest with you and tell you what they need. God, I pray that you'd save the lost during this time. I pray that you'd heal the backslider. God, I pray that you would set people free from addictions, from pains, from past hurts, from emotional problems, from relational problems, from physical problems, spiritual problems, God, from mental problems. God, I pray today by your spirit, Lord, that you would have your way. We believe that you are the one true God, that you are the living God, that you are the all-powerful God, the saving, healing, delivering God. And I pray today, God, that you would fill people with your spirit, create change in this place. Father, I pray that you would let, let people let your people, let the people that love you today shush the shushers and come and ask you for their need, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at alcfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.